I want to wish you a good morning. Let's see everyone is here today for our worship service. We're going to start out a little something different this morning, very something very special. And I am always so proud as a minister of music to see young folks in our church take lessons with instruments or voice or whatever. And that's what Zoe Moore has been doing. And recently she had a, her recital. Well, I've asked her to come and share that with us this morning. And let's encourage her as she uses this talent for her Lord. Zoe. Thank you, Zoe. You keep doing that. God's going to use you. Amen. All right. God bless you.
Good morning, Bryansburg. It is good to see you on this Sunday morning, and we are so glad to be together, and we are here for one purpose, and that is to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're so glad that you have joined us in that today. For those of you that are joining us through television or through Facebook Live, I'm Brother Brad Walker. I'm the pastor here at Bryansburg Baptist Church, and we are so glad to have you with us. Uh, those of you there on Facebook, if you would, in the comment section, let us know your name. Uh, let us know how we might be able to pray for you and for your family. Always good for us to know who is with us, and uh, we hope that you're having uh, a great experience in worship uh, here with us this morning. If this is your first opportunity to be with us here in the worship center, we want to welcome you as well this morning. And if you will, take that uh, little card out from the pew in front of you and fill that out and place it in the offering plate in the foyer as you're leaving, and we're so glad that you've joined us. And I'm so glad that we can worship together today. Uh, we do have many things going on, as you can see in the bulletin. Uh, we're uh, kind of into the full swing of summertime now of all the ministry and missions opportunities. And many of those things, I'm sure, will pertain to you and will pertain to your family. Uh, one uh, item that I want to point out is, uh, of course, we're going to be having our mission marshal as we're going to be taking a mission trip right here to our own community, uh, June, uh, the, starting on June 6th, but on the 4th, uh, we are in need of um, some men that can help us to do a, a couple of, of free projects to make sure that we're ready uh, for that Monday at the house that we're working there at. There are several things that are going to have to get done uh, before we can do the major work starting on Monday morning. And so if you could help with that, uh, you can contact uh, Brother Mike Crawford, and he would love to know that you could help him with that next Saturday and uh, get some of those items done so that we can kind of uh, jump in uh, full steam on Monday morning. Um, also... Uh, notice that our uh, the greatest journey for our children in the kindergarten through fifth grade is going to be starting tonight at six o'clock over in the gym and of course this is the program uh, that helps our children know what we're doing with operation christmas child as we send those boxes the whole point of that is to give the opportunity for the gospel to be shared and for those kids that receive those boxes uh, to get a 12-week discipleship program that introduces them to jesus and introduces them to his plan and purpose for their lives and so our kids are going to get to go through that this summer and so that's going to be kicking off with a huge uh a huge kickoff tonight we're going to have a speaker uh, from mexico we're going to have a lot of things going on that kind of explain what happens when the kids first get their boxes and what that experience is like and so we want your kids and your grandkids and anybody you've been inviting and bringing a uh, great night for them to be here as we go through this very special summer program kicking off tonight at six o'clock um, also notice we have a nominating committee meeting this evening for those that are on the nominating committee at five o'clock and uh, and again continue to pray for vacation bible school uh, we continue to have those cards available to you i hope you'll use those to invite folks and continue to pray the lord will move during our week together during vacation bible school um, again our, our uh, many opportunities for you to to plug in so uh, notice uh, this Wednesday night we're going to be at Mike Miller Park with the kids and that'll start at 6 o'clock again everybody come uh, you'll, you'll meet at the park nobody's going to meet here we'll meet at the park and that starts at 6 o'clock so anything else that pertains to you in the bulletin read through that and, uh, and make sure that you know what's going on for you and your family uh, this has certainly been a difficult week in the life of our nation um, we know what has happened in Texas at Robb Elementary and we recognize that our greatest need is for Christ, is for our communities, uh, for our states, for our nation um, to come back to the Lord, to repent um, on our faces before him. And so this morning, um, during our prayer time, I want to give us an opportunity as a church family 
um, to come here. We know what this is like. We know what this experience is like as a community. And I want us to pray um, for that precious community and for those precious families that are um, hurting so deeply today and wondering where the answer is. And we know what the answer is. It's Jesus. Um, that's the only answer. And so um, this morning, if you'd like to come to this altar today, as we pray for another community that's going through what we went through just a few years back, I invite you to come at this time and let's pray together um, that the Lord would, would give peace and comfort uh, to those who are hurting so deeply today. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we come with heavy hearts as a nation, as a community that knows what it is to hurt this deeply. And Lord, we pray for a community, a sister community that is hurting like we did. And Lord, asking questions like we do. And Lord, I pray that our sister churches would wrap their arms around these families. Lord, that they would love them, and Lord, they would share the gospel message, that Lord, you, you can bring healing to most broken and crushed hearts. Lord, that you can, you can bring a peace in the most difficult of situations and circumstances. And Lord, we recognize that as a people, our most desperate need right now is revival. Our most desperate need as a nation is that we would repent upon our faces and cry out to you. Because, Lord, we have left you. Lord, we have turned our backs on you as a nation. Lord, we have gone in every direction searching for meaning and purpose rather than coming to you, our creator, for relationship with you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would allow such a difficult tragedy, Lord, to bring a nation back to you. Lord, that we would stop arguing and fighting amongst ourselves and pointing fingers. And Lord, that we would come back to you. And Lord, I pray for, in our own community, those families that are hurting and just the, the fresh wound that, that this uh, creates, Lord, in their hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would comfort them as only you can. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to bring peace into their hearts and lives on a daily basis. Lord, I pray, most importantly, for the lost that their eyes might be open to their great need for you. And that, Lord, even during these dark days, Lord, that there would be those who would recognize your great love, they would repent of sin and by faith turn to you for salvation. Lord, we love you. And we thank you that you are the answer to every painful situation and circumstance of life. Lord, be with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
on this Sunday.
Thank you, Nadia, for that special music. I tell you what, from our seniors in high school down to our elementary school students, we, we have a lot of kids with talent, don't we? And uh, we were so thankful for that and so thankful uh, that not only do they have those talents, but they desire to use those talents for the glory of the Lord. And uh, this morning, if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I'm so thankful that in the midst of all of the difficulties of life that God's word speaks to us and it speaks so plainly to us and it gives us the answer it, it explains the problem and it gives us the answer and uh, clearly the the problem is our hearts the the sin sickness in our hearts the uh, disease of sin that that dwells within us and the answer is Jesus Christ the answer is the gospel and uh, we recognize that that has always been and always will be the answer and so as you turn there to uh, Matthew chapter 13, I want you to think on sowers, the seed, and the soils. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you again today for the opportunity to come together and to worship. Lord, it is so good after a difficult week to be able to know that we're going to be with our family, with our church family, that we're going to gather together, and that, Lord, we're going to pray together. We're going to gather together. And we're going to lift up our hearts and our voices in praise. Lord, we're going to get together and we're going to open up your word. And you're going to teach us and you're going to show us new things. You're going to equip us and correct us and encourage us. And so, Lord, today I, I pray that you would speak. And, and especially this morning, I pray that you would speak to those who don't yet have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to those who are lost and maybe their hearts have become rather hard. Maybe their hearts have been distracted uh, by the world. Lord, I, I pray for them. I pray that you would make their hearts ready to receive the gospel seed, and Lord, that it would take root and that it would produce a great harvest. Lord, I know that I'm a very weak vessel, and so Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things I love about the gospels is the way that each of the gospel writers draws out and explains to us um, how amazing the teaching of Jesus was and, and how he was able to connect with, with everybody. The common just man, the common woman, the common boy, the common girl could understand the teaching of Jesus because Jesus would always take complex issues, complex subjects, and he would use an everyday example to make it come home and make sense to the people. And so he preached using the example of fishing because he was talking to fishermen and so he would talk about fishing with its boats and its nets and the reward of the great catch um, he would talk to the people and he would preach using the example of a of a great dinner party or or a, a wedding reception and and who would be invited and who would be left outside the door he preached about searching he preached about searching for many different things that had been lost and he preached about the joy that there is when that lost item or that lost son has finally been found. But in such an agricultural society, perhaps nothing resonates more with the people that Jesus was speaking with than the planting and the harvesting of a crop. The planting of a seed and the harvest that, that it promises. Everyone in that society had to farm 
there was some degree of farming if you wanted to eat. And so everyone knew the task of the farmer, the task of, of casting out his seed upon the ground. They all lived in the same region. They all knew the difficulty in this region of finding good soil and what happened to perfectly good seed if it did not hit the ground in the right spot, if it didn't find itself in the right type of soil, the right kind of good soil. And so the truths revealed by Jesus in this parable are truly life and eternity altering if they are heard and heeded. They teach a truth so powerful that it cannot be ignored. So look with me this morning at the parable of the sower. And as we do, prepare to see yourself in the words of Jesus. Prepare to see yourself in one of these soils. Hear it, heed it, and honor the message that Jesus wants us to hear this morning. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13. We'll look at verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to go ahead and we're going to look at verses 18 through 23. So start with verses 1 through 9. The same day when Jesus, the same day went Jesus out of the house, and he sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship, and he sat on the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seed fell on the wayside, and the fowls came, and they devoured them up. Some fell upon the stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no de deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up, and they choked them. But other fell into good ground, and it brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ear to hear, let him hear. And then skip ahead to verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is, is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heard the word, and anon with joy received it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulations and persecutions ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, again, I want you to see the sower, I want you to see the seed, and I want you to see the soils. So let's begin with the sower. And notice the task of the sower. The task of the sower. The sower's identity is, is the first thing I want you to look at. In the parable, the sower is a farmer. He is a farmer who is broadcasting seed into his fields. 
And according to Jesus, and according to the interpretation of this parable that's given to us in Mark chapter 4, verse 14, the sower who sows the word of God, is, it, it, the sower is, is God himself. He is the one who is, who is putting that out. And so the sower pictured in this parable, in, in reference here, is Jesus. And by extension, it is all those who would preach the gospel. It's all those who would desire to go and to cast out this good seed of the gospel. And so when you look at it in those terms, this morning, I am sowing seed. When you leave this morning, when you have an opportunity with a family member or a friend or somebody you work with to share the gospel, you are sowing seed. But also, we see the sower's intentions. The sower's intentions. As this farmer casts the seed into the field, he does so with the hope that some will fall on good soil. He sows because he ultimately desires to reap a harvest. He casts his seed with the expectation of a great return on investment. He doesn't want to plant a seed and receive one seed back in return. He wants to have a great return on the investment of what he has planted. And so the sower has one goal. It's to get his seed into the ground so that the harvest might come. The same is true with the seed of the gospel message. It is sown into the field of the world with the prayer that it's going to fall on good hearts. And it's going to take root. And that it's going to grow up and produce much fruit to the, gro- to the glory of the Lord. And so there are hearts in this room that have received the seed of the gospel at one time or another. And that seed has germinated in your heart and it has, redu- has reproduced within your soul. And now your life is a fruitful testimony to the power of God's saving grace. And the reason that that is seen is because now you are reproducing yourself. You are one who is teaching others. Maybe you teach Sunday school. Maybe you teach a discipleship class. Maybe you're one who goes and invites people to church and brings people to church. Maybe you're one who shares the gospel regularly amongst your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and your classmates. But God is producing a great harvest in your life, and there's great fruit evidenced in your life. That is the intention of the heavenly sower, and that is my desire as I sow. Uh, my desire is to see that those that I'm sharing the gospel with might not just come to know Christ and sit in a pew, but that they might be disciple makers themselves. But also we see the sower's investment. The farmer must give up something. He must give something away before he can expect to receive anything in return. And so he takes this precious seed that he has saved from the last harvest and he casts it into the soil. And there, there's only there, there's a finite amount of seed, and so he casts that out, hoping that it will produce a great harvest. The seed is all that the farmer has, and he gives it away, hoping to receive more in return. And that's what the heavenly sower did. Jesus gave his all so that there might be a gospel seed to cast into the soil of the human heart. He died on the cross and he rose again, literally giving his all, knowing that some seed would fall on good soil and that a great harvest would come back to him. And so Jesus gave his all for you and for me so that we might have a gospel to believe, and that you might produce fruit for the glory of the Lord. And so the message that we preach here at Brinesburg on a weekly basis 
is a message about a free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. However, while salvation may be free, it certainly was not cheap. It cost Jesus his very life on the cross. The highest price imaginable was paid for us to have access to a relationship with the Father. He gave all he had to give us a soul-saving, life-changing gospel to preach and to believe. But then secondly, I want you to see the treasure of the seed. The treasure of the seed. In Luke 8, 11, Jesus identifies the seed as the word of God. And when the farmer walked into the field with the seed bag, he held in his hand a genuine treasure. He cast that treasure into the wind, hoping that it would accomplish what he desired. 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked into the world with the greatest treasure. He came to give men the gospel of grace. And when Jesus cast that seed of the gospel into the shifting winds of the world, he did so with the sure knowledge that it would accomplish his purpose, and it would accomplish it completely. Notice the treasure of the seed. First, it holds great power. It holds great power. Now, what is that great power? That great power is life. Before the seed falls into the soil, the soil is devoid of life. If you have a, a pot full of dirt and no seed is ever placed in it, you know what you're going to have in, in, in a year's time? A pot full of dirt. It's not going to produce a thing because that dirt in and of itself is void of life. It lies there barren. It's empty. But when the seed falls onto good soil, and when it germinates, it always brings life into something that before was lifeless. And so when you go into a field of, of dirt, it's not going to produce anything until the seed has been planted. Only then does it begin to, to be beautiful. Think about the fields around here in the wintertime. I often say this, man, it's just, it's so barren looking. After the tornado, it was so barren looking because there was no leaves on the trees. There was nothing in the fields. But I'm so thankful that right now we finally have leaves that are coming out. And when you have crops that are growing up in those fields and there's signs of life where it looks so devoid of life. But we see that that's what has to take place. The seed has to be planted in that dirt. It has to take root. It has to begin to grow. And so it is with the gospel of grace. It brings life to the dead hearts of those lost in their sins. See, when the seed germinates, it always transforms the soil into which it was sown. And it brings forth life and, and eventually fruit in, in a place where only barrenness and death could have been found before. We see life begins to come forth. We'll discuss that truth a little bit more here in a minute. But still, this is what makes the gospel such a great treasure. It produces life in a place that was formerly dead. But secondly, it holds great promise. It holds great promise. And what is that promise? It's the promise of more. More of what? Well, every seed that was sown by the sower had the potential to produce much more seed. It was good seed. Every seed that was planted was good seed. There was nothing wrong with the seed. And so verses 8 and verse 23 bear this out. The seed was perfect. 
It had all the potential that it was needed to bring abundant life and to bring more. One little seed had the potential to bring forth so much. One little seed could, could multiply itself 3,000, 6,000, 10,000 times. Those are the principles that if you're a, a farmer, you, you know that. That when you plant a seed, you, you get far more back than you, than you planted. That's the reason you farm. That's the reason it makes sense to farm, is that you can get so much back in return for the seed that is planted. And so you can plant one bean. And from that one, one bean comes a, a pod containing several more beans. So one squash seed. And it's going to produce a plant that's going to yield several more fully grown squash. And each of those squash are going to contain dozens, if not hundreds, of seeds in each one of those individual squash. One plant that, that you think of commonly around here is corn. And so you plant one kernel of corn and you can watch it produce a plant that will yield at least a couple of ears and each containing more rows of fresh corn inside of each of those ears. If you take one ear of corn, think about how much you can plant. Every seed has the potential to reproduce itself many, many times over. Seed always holds the promise of more. And such is the promise in the seed of the gospel of grace. When it is sown in a ready heart, it will germinate and reproduce itself over and over and over again. That's the sign of a healthy church. The sign of a healthy church is one where you're constantly seeing new people coming to know Christ. And that it's not long until that new Christian has shared the gospel with someone else. And they're coming to know Christ. It happens quickly. As soon as somebody comes to know Jesus, they're wanting to tell others. They're wanting to share with others. They're wanting to be a part of the ministry. Because that's what it means to be a disciple. The seed has the potential to begin small and to bring forth far more. But then thirdly, we see the testimony of the soils. And this is where I want to spend the rest of our time together. We first see the compacted soil in verses 4 and 19. It talks about the wayside, and that refers to those footpaths. It would have been like our roads today, but it would have been those places where people and animals would have walked, and literally it would have become as hard as concrete in those areas where people regularly walked by, by the side or through the fields. And so when the seed fell on those footpaths, it could not penetrate that hard soil. And it remained there in the open only to be devoured by the birds of the air. And so we're told in that, that this speaks of the person who will hear the gospel but who doesn't understand it or who doesn't care to understand it, doesn't want to understand it. And that is that they cannot make a connection between the claims of the gospel and their own life. It just doesn't make sense to them. They cannot believe. And maybe they're steeped in sin. Maybe they just refuse to believe, but it's a hard heart. Maybe they're callous. Maybe they're cold towards the things of God. Maybe they just refuse to hear. Maybe they have hardened their hearts for years and years and years against the call of the gospel and like a path that's been trampled underfoot for centuries. They come to church week after week, but they become hard-hearted and the word never penetrates deep enough to take root. Whatever their need, they are hard-hearted and the seed of the gospel cannot penetrate the soil of their heart and they hear the gospel and they dismiss it as foolishness. When this happens, the devil and his minions will snatch away that gospel seed 
by diverting the mind to help that person become even more hardened against God. To look and say, oh, well, look how, what a hypocrite that pastor is. Or look at that Christian. They, they go to church every week, and I see what they do on the weekends. You know, they'll just make excuses to get harder and harder and harder. This person has a heart that is not prepared for the work of grace leading to salvation. But then he speaks of the crippled soil. These stony places are common in Palestine. Often this will be an outcropping of limestone and there'll be just a little bit of topsoil uh, covering up that limestone. And so what happens here is the soil looks like it's good, looks like it's ready to be sown. But this ground, uh, when, when the seed germinates, it quickly springs up and it looks like a promising plant. But because there is no depth of soil, as soon as the burning heat of Palestine beats down on this tender plant, it withers and it dies without producing any fruit. This kind of soil speaks of the heart that makes an emotional response to the presentation of the gospel. And perhaps this person heard the gospel and said, well, you know, I've tried everything else. Why not just go ahead and try Jesus now? I'll see, I'll see what this Jesus is like. Perhaps they come to the altar and they, they prayed with a, a friend and somebody said, oh, you got saved too, and they just kind of went along with it. Perhaps they heard a shallow presentation of the gospel, speaking of all the benefits and, and none of the repentance needed. Millions have been inoculated against the gospel by flimsy presentations of the gospel that don't speak of the need for repentance, that don't speak of the need to, to surrender all because they have no depth to the profession of faith they fall away and the persecution and the tribulation associated with knowing Jesus arises they say I'm done with this and they walk away they begin to have problems with simple little matters like desiring to be amongst God's people the church family they don't desire to spend any time in prayer it just seems like a silly waste of time to them they don't desire to spend any time in God's word ah, that doesn't make sense to me and so they have a difficult time making genuine, lasting breaks with sin. And they're constantly falling back into those patterns. They shrink away from the radical claims of Christ and the cross. They become offended when they're mocked and ridiculed and laughed at or persecuted for their profession of faith. And they begin to think, well, this, this Jesus thing really doesn't make any sense. These are people who make a profession often running well for just a short period of time. And then they wind up right back with the world where they began. And in the end, they are further away from God than they were before they made their profession. Were they ever saved, Brother Brad, you say? Were they ever saved? My answer to you would be no. You say, well, Brother Brad, how can you say that with, with such an adamant no? Well, it's because of this. Their life, clearly from what is, is shown here in Scripture, this person, their life had no fruit. There was no fruit of salvation in their life. No fruit was ever produced. And by the way, when a profession of, of salvation is real, we're told that it will always last. It will have longevity to it. We often call these types of people that, that we think of just falling away backsliders or, or carnal Christians, but that's not what Scripture calls them. Scripture calls them lost. And so if the Lord saves your soul, he's going to change your life too. And when God changes a life, he does so forever and, and, and what he does in the heart and in the soul will last for eternity. You may fall, but if you're truly a believer, you're not going to stay down. You're going to get back up. You're not going to stay away from the people of God. You're not going to say, well, I'm so embarrassed, I'm never going back to church. You're going to want to run back to the family, just like the prodigal son wanted to run back to his father because 
that's where the hope was. That's where life was. You're not going to want to to stay away from God. You're not going to be ashamed to pray or or to read God's word. You're going to come back to him because you're going to recognize that's where life is. You're going to come back to his throne. You're going to come back to his word. You're going to come back to his people. You're not going to be able to stay away. You're not going to be able to stay out of God's will for years and, and, and decades at a time. That's not what a true believer does. That's what a lost person does. And so we see here an example of the crippled soil. But then also we see the crowded soil. This soil looks like it is ready to be sown. But underneath the surface, there still remains living roots and and the seeds of thorns and weeds. And so when the seed falls here, it springs to life quickly. It gives every indication that's going to be a good plant, that it's going to produce a great harvest. However, the same ground begins to produce the thorns and the weeds that were already there. And they begin to soon choke out that tender new plant. And this plant withers and it dies without producing any fruit at all. This is the picture of the person who tries to have the benefits of the gospel while still clinging to all of what culture has to offer. Still clinging to their old life in the world. Without a conscious break from the old life of sin, a person does not have a chance of being saved. Because they've never repented. And so the seed of the gospel cannot survive to produce fruit in a heart filled with other things. You see, the seed will have the ground or Sin will have the ground, but it cannot be shared. Jesus said it was the cares of the world and the quest for earthly riches that spell disaster for this kind of soil. This kind of person begins well, but soon they fade away, having their profession choked out by sin and by the world. And so were they ever saved, Brother Brad? And the answer to this is no. You say, well, how can you say that? It's because, again, I'm going to come back to the same refrain. They produced no fruit. Their life never produced any harvest. When Jesus comes into a life, he makes a difference in that life. And again, we, we like to look at people who have made a profession and, and who fall back and fall away into sin. And they say they're backslidden and they're out of God's will and they're carnal. But again, more likely, they are just lost. They've never been saved to begin with. Many have preached a false gospel of easy believism. They failed to tell lost people that God demands repentance. He demands it. Along with faith for salvation to be realized. It's not okay to just say, you know what? I, I see that Jesus is good and I'm just going to follow him. And I'm not going to get any, rid of any sin. I'm not going to walk with Christ. I'm just going to add him on as an insurance policy. It's not the way it works. This is a relationship, not a religion. You must come into relationship with him. You must surrender all to him. And so my friend, if you've made a profession and there's been no change in your life, then you don't need to rededicate your life. You need to repent of your sin and you need to call on Jesus Christ for salvation for the very first time. And you need to be saved. But then he speaks of the choice soil. Look at verses 8 and verse 23. The choice soil. He says, finally, some fell on good ground. This ground had been worked and it had been prepared. It had been plowed. It had been tilled. It had been made ready to receive the seed when it came. And the seed germinated within that heart of the soil. And the plant began to grow and it was taken care of. And when that plant reached maturity, it began to produce fruit that brought honor and brought gain to the the farmer. 
And so this is the picture of the heart that has been plowed. It's been plowed deep. By what? By the word of God. Not by stories, not by jokes, not by interesting tidbits, but by the word of God. And it pictures the heart that is ready. And when that seed of the gospel hits the kind of heart that's been prepared, we're told that it germinates and it grows up and it bears fruit to the glory of God. And so this heart alone pictures that kind of life that can truly call itself saved. And so why do I say that? I say that because this is the only soil that Jesus says produced fruit. It's the only soil that produced a harvest. The only difference between these different types of soil was the fruit. On the hard soil, the seed never penetrated the ground. And it was carried away by the birds. On the other three soils, the seed penetrated, but it disappeared because it fell on soil that could not produce a harvest. Because it wasn't ready. Only the good soil produced fruit. The only obstacle to salvation is unbelief. Anyone who is willing to accept Jesus Christ on his terms of repentance of sin and by faith is good soil you don't have to wonder could, could i could my heart be good soil if, if the lord is is speaking to your heart this morning if he's convicting you of your sin and you're recognizing i need to repent of sin and i need to trust him by faith you're dealing with good soil this morning okay and so this soil represents the only soil among the four that pictures a, a prepared heart a readied heart you see when jesus enters a life through the gospel message he will make his presence known, and it will be known without a doubt. You're not going to have to say 10 years from now, well, I don't know if I got saved or not. If you received Christ, you're going to know it. He will cause the new believer to begin to bear fruit for the glory of God. In fact, he will lead the believer through a progression of fruit bearing. It will happen time and time again, not just one time, not just two times, but throughout your life you're going to bear fruit. You're not going to retire from bearing fruit. You're going to bear fruit until you go home to glory. It's going to be part of who you are. And as the days go by, there will be more and more fruit for the glory of the heavenly sower. So what kind of fruit does the gospel seed produce in good soil, in a prepared heart? Well, one fruit is sanctification. We'll become more like him. Another one is, is, is spirituality. We're going to be behave more like him. Another one is souls. We become burdened like he is, and we desire to go and win more souls to Christ. And so as we've moved through this passage, we have seen one sower sow one variety of seed into four different types of soil. The seed only brought forth fruit in one of those soils. The other soils were bad, and nothing of value came from the seed being planted on them. According to Jesus, the seed is the gospel, and the soil is your heart. This morning, you have brought in one of these four different types of soil today. If you were to be honest with yourself this morning, which of these four soils have you brought before the Lord? Is your heart hard? Are you closed off to God this morning? Some of you are. Some of you absolutely are. If it is a hard heart that you've brought, then you know what? This, this message is just bouncing off of you right now. And you're rolling your eyes at me right now. And you're thinking, he's, just, he's another silly preacher wasting his time up there. I don't know why I'm here. She, she makes me come every week or he makes me come every week. or I'm here because I get dinner afterwards. But you're not hearing anything. 
The enemy has already stolen everything that's been said away. You haven't heard anything that's been said because you've been judging it and ridiculing it for the last 30 minutes. If you're hard soil today, I pray that God is going to sink his plow of the word deep into your heart and that he will do whatever is necessary to make your heart ready. Even if that's difficult, even if that's hard, I pray he would prepare your heart because this, this is about eternity. This is about the difference between heaven and hell. I pray that the Lord will prepare your heart. Is your heart stony or thorny? Is your commitment, is your profession shallow? Do you have problems serving the Lord faithfully and staying away from sin? Do you place your hope of heaven on some prayer that you prayed or, or, or some religious activity that you've been a part of at one time or another or a baptism or a church membership? None of those things save. I challenge you this morning, if that's all you're trusting in, to examine your heart and to be sure that your salvation is genuine, that you truly entered into a personal love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, where you repented of your sin, you turned away from your sin, and you trusted Christ by faith. That you gave him your life and you said, I want to be yours. I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation, but I want you to know that if a person is genuinely saved, they will be different from that point on. Their lives will be radically changed forever. If you're not, you need to check up on that. You can talk to me after the service. You can talk to one of our deacons. You can pretty much talk to just about anybody around you. They're, they know how to lead you to Jesus. But get it right today. And, but maybe you've heard this message and your heart has been stirred. You know you need to come to Jesus. You know that you need to repent of your sins. You know you need to place your faith in Christ. And the Lord is just stirring your heart. And right now you can feel it inside of you. You can feel that that's the most important. That's the only thing that, that matters at this very moment. And that's because there is good soil that's been, that has been prepared within you. That's been plowed this morning. And if the gospel seed has fallen there this morning, it's going to produce a great harvest. If that's you today then I'm calling you to come in just a moment and let the church know that the Lord has planted the seed of the gospel in your heart. You've received it and it's taken root and it's going to produce a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. If that's you this morning, we, we want to rejoice with you. And so those who have heard this message, you may not understand it all completely, but all you need to understand is that Jesus Christ loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And if you're hearing his voice today, if you're feeling him moving in your heart and in your life, then you can come to know him today. If that's you today, I want you to come here in just a moment. We're going to come, and the musicians are going to come. They can come right now. And they're going to play, and we're going to all stand up, and we're going to sing. And I'm going to be down front. And you're going to have the opportunity to come. And you're walking up this aisle doesn't save you. You're talking to Brother Brad doesn't save you. What will save you is when you repent of your sin and say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I want you to come into my life, and I want you to have, have full access to every, every part of my life. I want you to take control of every aspect of my life. If you want that today, if you want to enter into that kind of relationship with Jesus today, you can be saved. And you will be saved when you ask him to do that. And so we're going to pray, and then I'm going to be down front. If the Lord's doing that in your heart, would you come and let us know? Because we want to rejoice with you. We want to celebrate with you. Would you come today? Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel seed. But we thank you that it is good and that it produces life. It produces more. And Lord, that it is offered to all those who receive it into the good soil of a prepared heart. 
at the Lord today, I know that there may be some young people, there may be some older people here today who have never made that decision. Oh, maybe they've gone through the motions and maybe at one time or another it, it hit maybe some shallow soil or maybe it hit some thorny, weedy soil, but Lord, it needs good soil. And today, for the very first time, their heart's prepared to receive you. For the very first time, to say yes to you. I pray that that would take place, even in our midst today, that you would receive honor and glory and praise from a harvest coming to you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.